Hey everyone, this is season two of Race, Justice, and the Church. I'm your host, Nate Winstead. You can follow me at Nate, Knight with a K, wins. Today is going to be a powerful episode. We've got Shanika Hart on the mic, and some of y'all, I'm just telling you right now, you're not ready for how powerful this is going to be. But before we get into today's episode, I want to make a request. I want to ask you to leave a rating and write a review for this podcast in Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference for getting the word out. And if you have reviews and ratings, then it helps with the algorithm to just let people know about this podcast. So if this has been helpful for you, if you've enjoyed these conversations, and if you think that other people would benefit from listening, then please consider stopping right now leaving a rating, and writing a review for this podcast. It would make a huge difference. All right, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. All right, hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. We have Shanika Hart on the mic today. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Nate. Yes, I've been so excited to have Shanika on. uh, From when I had the idea for this podcast, I knew that she was going to bring just all kinds of golden nuggets um, in this conversation um, as we talk about uh, race, justice, and the church. Mm. Uh, but let me let you know a little bit about Shanika. She is a Brooklyn, New York hey, native. Brooklyn, stand up. <laughs> she is a uh, <laughs> licensed mental health professional specializing in family therapy. Um, she is the co-planter and first lady of the Gathering Harlem, a church planted mm-hmm. in 2017 in central Mm -hmm. Harlem. Uh, Currently, she helps lead the women's ministry as well as serve on the spiritual formation team. This summer, Shanika was uh, also a speaker during the protest for souls and bodies hosted by the Gathering Harlem after the killing of George Floyd. Uh, Shanika is the wife of Pastor Kenny and the mother of three boys, one girl, and one Rottweiler. Yes. So let's welcome Shanika to the <laughs> mic. Hey, family. So good again to be here. So excited for this conversation. So let's see. Shanika and I got connected. Um, yeah. I think the first yeah. time I met you was at the first core team meeting for yep. the gathering. Exactly. Yeah. And that was late um, 2016. We had our first core team meeting in our living room, um, the 12 of us, and Kenneth was just vision casting for uh, uh, a dream, right, that was um, unique to us and that the Lord had brought you guys alongside to give the permission to live. And here Mm -hmm. we are um, all these years later seeing the fulfillment of that vision, and it still blows my mind to this day. That's wild. Easy. Wild. Well, Shanika, you are such a blessing to my life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I know a lot of people could say that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule. Because um, you, you are doing a lot of stuff at church. All the time. As a mother and work, volunteering, of- all kinds of stuff. I'm a part of team do too much all the time. <laughs> Always have about five things happening all at once. Su- <laughs> super, super woman out here. <laughs> um, okay. So um, I'd love for you to just, um, you know, obviously I read your bio and stuff, but if you could just yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself and um, if you could also um, get into a little bit of just your, your church experience 
um, yeah. throughout your life. Absolutely. Um, so like you stated, I am Brooklyn born, um, to, born to a Caribbean family. We stayed out there um, up until I was probably, I was in middle school and then we actually transitioned to Harlem um, mm. because my mom had just left an abusive relationship. Mm. So shout out to all the women, the survivors who mm. are making critical decisions on behalf of the well-being of themselves and their families. Um, I see you. Yes. Um, and so we transitioned to Harlem and, but even before that, my mom and I had been going to a church that I won't name, um, but <laughs> bless you'll, find soul, but, I, you'll find out <laughs> exactly, why. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were heavily involved. The church was open seven days a week and they literally had, um, a, a day for every area of your life. And so there was a day for finances, a day for your sentimental life, a day for, you know, deliverance. Um, and the unfortunate part is the doctrine in that church was not, it wasn't sound, mm. right? It was heavily emotional. So there was a lot of emotionalism and what we call today the word of faith movement. Mm, um, okay. But yeah. That's like uh, but, the name it and claim it kind of deal. Like if you have it. enough faith, you can get whatever you that's want. That's it. Blab it and mm. grab it. Name it and claim it. Blab it and <laughs> grab it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm so, not as familiar with that. <laughs> and so Christians I mean, are funny. Oh, Lord. They're very funny. I mean, and, and the grace of Jesus is that I stood, despite a faulty theology, I, I still met him during that like i had a familiarity of christ right um but while they taught a lot um th what they stressed most was moralism do this mm. don't do that do this don't do that and so shanika could you know read off to you everything that we shouldn't do um but at the expense of truly knowing the cross the mm. impact of my sin um the grace that i so desperately need um and so that was just assumed by me my mindset back then was of course jesus had to die right like this is how this story is playing out mm. um and so it didn't work um uh, a deep thanksgiving in me of the costliness of the cross yeah and so um fast forward i go to college and because morality doesn't save you only Jesus does. Mm -hmm. Shanika lived life according to her own standards. Um, and, um, but the crazy thing is, so Kenneth and I were actually, um, we dated in high school. So I would bring him to this church with mm -hmm. me. <laughs> and he's seeing people falling out <laughs> and doing a, a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Um, and then we went to, we separated, we went our separate ways in college, um, only for the Lord to bring us back together via Facebook um, at the end of my college mm. career. And so I was going to Miami to celebrate my graduation. And Kenneth reaches out to me and he's like, hey, sis, bless the Lord. Um, <laughs> how are you? And I'm like, what, what is going on here? Hold up. I brought you to church. What's, what's ah. going on? <laughs> um, now he's and blessing the Lord. Okay. That's it. 
And so come to find out, the Lord had saved Kenneth during his sophomore year in college. Um, and so I told him, I was like, man, Kenneth, I'm not, I'm not walking with the Lord right now, right? Mm. Like, child, backslid. Um, and so the, in, in God's sovereignty, I, um, after graduation, I started going to Bible studies and working my way back up to God because that was the mentality, right? Uh, you right. do good, right? You do you do these list of things to be in God's good graces. And so and my mind I love, what? I love how you're even able to tell Kenny like, oh, I backslid. I'm like, no question. Oh, yeah. You weren't even like, oh, yeah, things are good. You're like, nah, nah. <laughs> That's it. I was like, oh, man, things are not what it used to be, mm-hmm. right? And so it's all about how many good things you can do and building up. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And so, um, you know, under the guise that I can work my way up to Jesus again, I started going to Bible studies and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get my life right. Um, and in so doing, it became, um, you know, some time passed and Kenneth came home for, because he was still in college, he came home for a Christmas break and I was like, Hey, how about you come to church with me? Check out the service, you know? Mm-hmm. And he came and my boy was stoic the whole service. <laughs> um, and then after I was like, man, yo, wasn't the pastor bringing that word today? And Kenneth pretty much goes, yeah, uh, we gonna have to talk. <laughs> Uh-oh. We gonna have to talk. And mm. so over a series of, of evenings, we would have Bible studies and he would just appeal to me as to, through the scriptures, why this doctrine wasn't sound. Mm. Um, and I went down kicking and screaming. I was like, you only came to my church one time. How can you make that assessment? <laughs> right. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. Come on. I was so defensive. Mm. Um, and then... But the Lord, you know, I started reading scripture for the first time because that's another thing that wasn't encouraged. It was just wow. like, hey, the man of God said it. It's gold. You believe mm, it. Yep. Um, so I started reading scripture on my own and I'm seeing, wow, hold on. I've missed Jesus. Like I thought I knew him. Um, and wow. so the reality, yeah. And the reality of things were um, that the Lord will go on to really convict me about um like he was always accessible to me right i didn't need to rely on the man of god to engage Mm -hmm. jesus um and through the discipleship of kenneth he was teaching me how i can engage jesus on my own and so the lord began to teach me a lot i had like the hardest conversation that i probably ever had to have with my mom and letting her know hey i'm not going back to this church um, the doctrine is, is faulty and wow. I think, yeah. I think you should leave too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure she did but not want to hear that. <laughs> she did not. She mm. absolutely did not. I mean, as you can imagine, th- it was a process that I was undergoing. And so to just come to my mom, having navigated through this process, it was jarring for her. Like, what do you mean? You le- what? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she had to undergo her own process. I thank God that she's now faithfully attending the gathering and, and God has um, saved her under sound doctrine as well. Yes. So. Oh, I love your mother. She is yeah. so sweet. Oh, we love you. Chap. I affectionately refer to her as chap. <laughs> yes. um, and so long story short, um, I transitioned out of that church 
and legit i did not know where to go from there so i'm like google searching gospel centered churches <laughs> y'all the past any pastors on the on the uh, listening to this podcast she googled <laughs> gospel centered churches it's pretty much like saying what must i do to be saved that's it that's it <laughs> that's amazing and so um i found a church started attending there fast forward a little bit more kenneth graduated and then he started attending this church with me um and at that point we decided you know we're really going to take our relationship serious and so Mm -hmm. we were dating at this point um and then he told me about redeemer presbyterian Mm -hmm. so we were going to redeemer and when i tell you Oh my gosh. I was drinking from the fountain of life. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is the gospel. Like literally sitting at the edge of my seat every Sunday, mm. uh, floored by the weight of my sin, yet rejoicing that Christ chose to save me in, in, in spite of it. Come on. And so. And this is um, under, uh, this is where Tim Keller is. He was still the pastor yep. preaching most Sundays uh, at this he, point. Yep. So he was. She was he drinking was. from the fountain. That's for sure. Oh. I mean, and it was everything that my soul needed, right? Mm. And so, um, then, <laughs> an older white Presbyterian, <laughs> like Talk about a switch to the point. Not a lot of fluff. That's it. That's <laughs> my it. first point is my second point, my third point, and we're monotone <laughs> preaching. I mean, it's like you gonna get this word and this word mm-hmm. only, right? Um, and so I just remember saying, "Man, this is the gospel, mm. and I believe it. I believe it." Then, so Kenneth and I, we would go on to get married um, shortly after that. And before we got married, we both knew, all right, the Lord is calling uh, us to ministry and specifically Kenneth to go to seminary. Um, And so we moved out to Kentucky right after um, I finished my master's program. We transitioned to Kentucky. We went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm. Kentucky, a little bit different than Brooklyn or Harlem or any place in New York City. My whole world was turned upside down. That is so Um, wild. I can't believe you all went to Kentucky. Kentucky, (laughs) yes. And and so you talk about, so I went from a predominantly um, Caribbean small church, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That unfortunately had on. An unhealthy doctrine and then i transitioned to redeemer and then thereafter southern baptist theological seminary so forget it i thought <laughs> white people had the keys to the kingdom like it's like, wow <laughs> you, you all know how to read scripture you all know how to have church right and to teach mm, sound wow. doctrine so was my thinking wow um and so yeah, there was a, a a period in which I was like, so the black church for me wasn't the most positive, mm, right? It, yeah. For me, it held oh a lot of emotionalism, um, not have not sitting under sound theology. Mm. Um, and so Kenneth and I were out there for two years. Um, we then came back to serve at a local church plant in Washington Heights um, called Christ Crucified Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Man, but that's that's so big, Shanika. That you know, because that was that that was just your experience that's of it. of church. That um, you know, because there are um, 
there are so many, you know, great, amazing gospel-centered black churches. That's um, it. But that had not been your experience at all, and now you come to this no. very white world. That's it. And yep. it's like, oh, they got the they got the answers here. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. That's just that's just like um, I think I just want to like highlight. You know that was your experience like you didn't know that's it um and i think My... that a lot of times how we view church is like just with our experience you yes. know if you're a white person listening to this you know you might have been to one black church one time and you think that's how that's all it. black churches are that is it. Mm -hmm. one korean church that's how all korean churches are mm -hmm. you know whatever it might be um very true. and very true yeah i mean I think and... that i think that's a powerful thing yeah and so my experience, it colored my my understanding of the black church, right? Um, but then I would, then the unjust lynchings of black and brown um, people were taking place shortly after. Well, shoot, mm. it started um, to rev up our last year in Southern and no mm. one was talking about it. No, mm. none of the professors, no, no one was talking about it on campus. And so it, it struck something um, first in Kenneth and, and me thereafter um, yeah. in which we were like, no, hold on. But, but Jesus always lands on the side of justice and this mm. is injustice. Why on a seminary campus are we not hearing anything about this? Yeah. So we leave, we come back into the context mm. that we know we're serving a local church in Washington Heights. Um, and that's when the Lord just continued to solidify what he was calling us to. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you stated, uh, there was even a, a process of me where I had to repent. I had to repent of my ideas of the black church because the black church has been doing so much good, so much justice, so much building, mm. um, mm -hmm. like gospel kingdom building um, here that I just did not know of. Right. Right. And so when we came back, it was how do we partner and how do we continue the work that predominantly black and brown churches have already been doing. Um, and so for Kenneth, so it was interesting because once we, he graduated from Southern, then it was like, well, man, where are we going to plant this church? I'm from Brooklyn. You're from, you know, Harlem uptown. What are we going to do? Wait, um, so you, you, y'all definitely felt like God was calling you to plant a church. Yep. Yep. While we were in, in, seminary. in New York city. Yep. Okay. Yep, that was explicitly clear. Um, mm. The Lord had united both of our hearts around that. Wow. For us, it was, well, Lord, where are you calling us to, right? Yeah. So he gave us the vocation. What what location do you want us to, to do this in? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Lord would settle the both of our hearts for Harlem but for very different reasons leading to Harlem, right? So for Kenneth, it was that he grew up here, right? He saw how churches, some churches were silent, right? He saw drug activity and the churches weren't on the front lines of responding to the felt needs of the community. Mm -hmm. um, and so he wanted to start something that was different. Whereas for me, it was, well, one, Harlem had always been a refuge for me, right? Mm. Remember my mom and I lived, we, we moved to Harlem right after she transitioned out of that relationship. Right. And so this was a coming back to of sorts for me, 
Um, but then additional to that, Harlem also read as the Mecca of, of blackness for me, a black culture right. of black life. Right. And so it excited me to think that we could plant a church that would, um, sit under sound theology and have people who looked like me, mm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, gathering wow. and, and making up that community. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great vision. Um, yeah. that, you know, only God could give to you. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. powerful. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he, he solidified that in both of our hearts for different reasons. Um, but ultimately bringing us together in that decision. And then, you know, so we served in CCF for three years and then the Lord made it clear that it was time to move, you know? Um, and then began our core team meetings in our living room. And then Shanika and I came together. Hey, now. <laughs> and met for the first time. <laughs> so good. Uh, oh, man. Y'all hope that uh, just... It's, so, it's always so good to just hear somebody's story of how they came to Jesus and really understood the gospel. Yeah. Um, but I also want you to hear, you know, um, the the... Uh, like there's all these pieces that are a part of it. Mm. You know, she, Shanika, you know, you experience the gospel, but then there's this piece of justice that was yep. not being addressed. And then you looked yeah. at the black church and for a while, you know, are looking at that and like, Hey, they're not doing the work of the gospel, but yeah, your, your definition of the gospel needed to, mm. needed to grow to encompass that because mm. uh, work of justice and community development and just, um, helping communities flourish is a part of yes, us living out the kingdom of God, living out yes, the good is. news of Jesus. Um, yes, and yet it's a problem when they get separated. Yes. That's it. I mean, Jesus stepped on the scene, um, addressing tangible needs, right? Dignifying mm-hmm. those who were ostracized. Right. And then in response, repent, follow me. Right. right. He, he came meeting felt needs because there's going to be a lot of people whom, and we were very cognizant of this. You know, we are going to come plant this church and there's going to be people who didn't know how their rent was going to be paid next month. What do you mm-hmm. mean? Uh, save my soul. Like, how am I going? What about tomorrow? Right? right. What about what about the fact that I don't have food um, to eat? to provide for my kids. And so um, Christ always showed that he was responding to both. And we wanted a ministry that did the same. And so for, you know, once we started our Bible studies before we launched, we would have dinners, everybody come and don't worry about, you know, offering anything, just come to receive. So. So good. So good. Um, So I want to transition um, a little bit and talk about um, the the protest that mm. uh, TGH did. This was um, our first ever yes. <laughs> protest, but uh, I know that was something that you and Kenny had talked about. Um, you know, as as part of what you envisioned this church doing, even before yeah. um, it was planted. And uh, like I said, uh, this was um, you know twenty twenty. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, 2020 is just crazy. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. George Floyd is killed. Everyone, you know, watches this video 
Um, that is just shocking. And uh, I remember just being shocked at how shocked people were um, yeah. because I've, um, you know, I've, I've seen so many of them now, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And you're just like, well, you know, it's going to be yeah. uh, the same story. It's just going to kind of be brushed aside. Not a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But this was different in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a. Um, there was just a energy mm. among people. They, we had to do something. something. That's it. And shout out to everybody at TGH. You know, they, <laughs> I didn't have a lot to do with it. I was just there, but <laughs> they put together uh, an amazing protest of about 5,000 people, yes. do, uh, about a dozen churches at least, yes. um, joined us, um, black and white and Asian um, mm-hmm. and a mix of people. And, uh, it was, a it was a powerful, uh, well-organized protest. The, the cops were there and they, sure they were. were the, um, they were like the, uh, I forget what they're called, like the community engagement, mm-hmm. um, police. And yeah. uh, one of my friends was telling me, uh, that she had been some other protests downtown and, you know, like they got the riot gear on, they're like angry. Mm-hmm. They're like, er, but the cops up here in Harlem were, they were happy. Yeah, they, were, they, were, yeah. they knew that we weren't going to be causing trouble, and they were happy to escort us where we were going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Though in, in front of the, the precinct, because we did have to pass the precinct on 135th, they had mm-hmm. um, cops in riot gear out there. Um, and, and that, you know, that was, I guess it was protocol for them, but it was definitely mm-hmm. um, disappointing to see that because it's like, well, here we are leading this peaceful protest. We're working with the community cops right. um, to make this happen. There has been no agitations, right? Um, and here you are, like the very presence of the police in riot gear was an agitator for us. Yes. For oh, yeah. Us. It is. Know? So, uh, but no, we praise God for uh a blessed day like he definitely he was leading the police as the police were leading the multitudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. it was a it was a powerful day um there's a lot of um you know kind of the way it was organized uh we met up um at one spot um mm-hmm. kenny kind of like welcomed everybody we celebrated that we're all together in this we're um yeah just that we're um speaking out and praying and um it was very exciting um we went to one spot another speaker uh spoke about um uh the idols of america um and what has led to all injustice throughout our history and then we Mm -hmm. ended at a third um spot where uh, i believe you were the first speaker yes uh, for that and um i'm gonna play a little clip of uh, what Shanika said. This it was it was one of the most powerful parts uh, for me. So uh, let's listen to that real quick. As George Floyd laid on the concrete with his life being suffocated from him, he cried out. Mama! Mm. Mama! 
has just demonstrated that the second most important thing to living was the comfort and the protection of his mother. And it speaks to a very distinguished relationship that we have as black mothers. We want to provide nurturance for our kids just like everyone else. We want to provide protection for our kids like everyone else. And as a black woman who's raising beautiful black boys, We 
they will return safely. We stay up at night hoping that they don't have a, a bad interaction with law officials who do not see them as fully human. And we as black women, we deserve to be heard. We as black women deserve to be protected. And we as black women deserve to be dignified. Let's pray. Let's pray to the God who dignifies black women. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son and our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, we come before you, Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I thank you because I don't have to ask for you to hear my voice. I don't have to ask for you to dignify you. You see my skin color, Lord. You see us as black women, Lord, and you have dignified us. You have stepped your image upon us, God. We are worthy, God, according to your grace and mercy. So, Shanika, that was uh, no. so powerful. Uh, could you just talk to us about uh, that day and, um, you know, putting that together, uh, talking about being a, a mother um, yeah. and, yeah, just what all that means to you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so like you said, right, before you can heal, process, and move on from one lynching, another one takes place. And so when I heard of the death, the killing of um, George Floyd, a part of me was like, nope, I'm not going to watch the video. I refuse. Hmm. I never want to become desensitized to the killing of Black life um, because you'll see it running on social media. You'll see it on the news. Yes, yep. Um, and I never want that to become common. And furthermore, it's traumatizing to mm-hmm. see it. We were not created for death to take place, let alone for it to be replaying in front of our eyes. Um, right. And so I hadn't watched the video for quite some time. Um, and then the opportunity to speak as a, from the lens of a Black mother, um, you know, came up and I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to watch this, right? I don't, mm. don't want to speak from ignorance. Like I have to, have to watch it. And man, when I tell you all of the, the feelings, there was numbness, there was fear, there was anger, um, all residing in my body simultaneously. And that was just further added to once I watched the clip. Um, and, you know, as a mom hearing George Floyd cry out for his mom, I'm even getting emotional thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that call was a cry to all black mothers mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. We, we all felt it. Um, and in that moment, you, you thought about your own child, you thought about your own black son. Um, and just being gripped by fear that America can do just like that to your own child. Mm. Um, And so if you know me, I am not one for speaking in public. I I just don't prefer it, but Mm -hmm. all of that went to the wayside (laughs) when (laughs) it was, when it was the moment to address the crowds 
I mean, yeah, all of that takes a back seat. It's like, here is a, a moment where, here's a, a moment of fear, right? But then you imagine the larger fear that we as black people feel mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, just living in America, there was no way that I can miss that moment. And so, yeah, I, you know, God granted me the grace to make it through the my talk um and it took place with with tears and 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 shaking and and all of that but uh, my goal was to amplify black voices right mm. the the voices of black moms who look at their boys and you know when they're young they fear them going from cute little boys to dangerous black men mm-hmm. um yeah. Or or for the black moms whom they kiss their boys goodbye, praying that they come back home after, you know, mm. time at school or with friends in the community. Um, and so yeah, I had them in mind, but not just black moms, simultaneously holding um space for black women. Mm. Right? Um mm. so just just you know, wanting to to speak to all of um, the pain that we feel, the the generations of pain mm. in our bones. Um, you know, we have the Breonna Taylors and 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 just like the countless lists of people who um, we've lost under this unjust system. Mm. And so, all of that came to bear in that moment. Wow, wow. Well, it was. It was like the most powerful uh, moment for me um, because you were so um, you were so raw and um, yeah, just just real and and I know all your boys and your girl and uh, yeah, it's very real um, and you know this is something that. Um, you know, America as a as a whole, like we don't sit in, we don't, mm-hmm. um, even in our in our education, like we don't really sit in the the um, evil and the um, trauma that we have caused. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about it and then like, oh well, you know, you know, move on. Yeah. Um, you know, and es- especially when it comes to uh you know what has been done to to black and brown people in 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 the united states um yeah. it's kind of like up oh, that was history now we move on and yeah. um we don't have the practice of um you know r- really sitting in that um feeling <laughs> what uh people must have felt and uh, mourning <laughs> through that and like that's that is just basic empathy and we often often don't do that at all um you know so is it any wonder that um we can barely talk about um Mm. these issues sometimes we can barely talk about uh, race issues uh anywhere let alone the church um we can't empathize and 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 might I add that that is part of the privilege right that white America Mm, can choose to jump in and out of these conversations or in and out of these difficult moments. Whereas if you're black and brown, you don't get that choice. That's Mm -hmm. you live with that reality every day. There's no off switch. That 
Yep, that's a word right there uh, that somebody yeah. needs to hear. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it's a very sobering reality. Hmm. Well, I know, Shanika, you have brought a lot of, um, you know, a lot of expertise and um, direction when it's come to you know, after the protest, we had uh, a uh, like a, a panel where we talked yeah. about uh, several things. And Shanika talked about um, uh, trauma and uh, mm. just mental health in the midst of injustice. And you can yeah. you can check that whole panel out. It's on uh, the Gathering Harlem's uh, YouTube page. But yeah. um, I know that uh, Shanika, from the very beginning of Planting the Gathering, you have had a vision for mm -hmm. uh, mental health. Mm -hmm. um as it has to do with uh justice and just you know the work of the church and um yeah, yeah i was wondering if you could um yeah just uh, share that vision with us of of um how god wants yeah. to use your gifts in that way absolutely i mean so there's a a statistic that states that only one third of african americans who actually need therapeutic help receive it so that means that there are 67% of individuals who are not accessing this support. Um, and furthermore, African-Americans are 20% more likely to have um, mental health struggles, depression, PTSD, anxieties, mm. because of structural racism, structural right. oppressions. Um, and so there's a very clear need, but it's not it's not being met. Right. Right. And so um, when the Lord was calling Kenneth and I to, to ministry, I actually wrestled because I'm like, well, God, I don't want to, I don't particularly feel burdened to lead um, children's ministry. I cannot sing mm -hmm. like that to do worship, <laughs> uh -huh. um, but I am passionate about mental health, Jesus. So how can we bridge these two mm. worlds so that I can bring my passions and my gifts um, to the kingdom, to the church. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I absolutely love and admire my husband. He is not afraid of going against the grain. And he's like, babe, you don't have to look like any, well, one, what does a, a, a pastor's wife look like? Right. What, mm -hmm. what does a first lady look like? Um, but even beyond that, like, what could it look like to create space for what you have passion for, which mm -hmm. is mental health and faith. And so forget it. I took that and run. I'm yes. like, you got to tell me twice. <laughs> um, and so the vision is to be on the front lines of responding to like being the solution to that need. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, here in Harlem. And so our vision is to be able to provide mental health support, both in house and then to the greater Harlem community um, for African-Americans who cannot access um, mental health support because man, therapy is expensive. It can be very expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To have quality yeah. therapy, it can be expensive. And so... And um, then also we, the piece of like wanting to find people of color that are therapists. Like I've it. heard from so many people that that is a struggle also. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so when you when you add, you want someone of color and you want them to be a believer because you don't just want mm, anyone speaking right. into your life. Right. It's a need that um, for many people, they they do not know where to go to in order to access it. Right. And so 
we want to be a solution in that capacity and we um, will have you know clinically trained mental health professionals who can um, provide for the needs of the community and we want to be able to bring the gospel right because that's that's true um, that's going to provide true health right the skills the therapeutic skills that we can then couple with that mm -hmm. um can only further assist people in you know living uh, improving their their function their overall fun functioning and so that's what we um want to to begin here in harlem um and we're believing that the lord will bring people with that same passion Ooh, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be able to um, support um, this cause. And so we will raise money um, so as to provide the service at a lesser, you know, cost for those yes. who need it. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to let people know. If you're listening to this and you're like, ooh, I want to, the Lord is calling me to support that, you need to reach out to the gathering right now. Yes, please. And give them $100,000 or whatever it might be. <laughs> yes, in the name of Jesus, prayerfully consider. You know. You know, partnering, you may never um, come to New York. You may never um, mm -hmm. meet the people that you're able to impact. But this is a, a seed that you can sow into a ministry that will have ripple effects. Because you imagine oh, yes. you you address the mental health concerns of one individual. Generationally, the mm -hmm. impact can be felt, mm -hmm. right? When, when a, a parent can live a whole and full life, you imagine what that means for their spouse, what that means for their children and their children's children. Yes. And so, yes, yes, definitely consider planting that seed. So good. My my home church, they offer, um, you know, back in Oklahoma, they offer, you know, uh, free counseling services. They're not, mm. um, all of the counselors have been trained through a, a very a very good program mm -hmm. where you have to put in a lot of clinical hours. They're not licensed or anything. Okay. Um, but just to to be able to like oh yeah there's there's counseling that's it for free like is that's it. such a huge resource and it happens like mm -hmm. the back of the building like there's some private offices over there nobody sees yes, it but yes. that's kind of work that like is that that really gets to the root of things um yeah. you know brings spiritual transformation yes. um and is is good gospel work so I, you know i'm i've been blessed by uh a lot of mental health counseling in my own life um yeah. i know it's so powerful and um you know the need is so great and again i think it's man just how god has hardwired you the passions yeah. he has given you the set of circumstances that have happened in your life to bring you to this um it's just exciting it's it's, yeah. it's exciting to to hear about um, and I know that, I know that God is going to do it. Uh, and that's the same for each of us. All of us no. are gifted, hardwired by God, um, and led in certain ways and called in certain ways to do things that only we could do because there's only one of each of us. That's it. That's it. And that's why our experiences are so important, right? Like the Lord, he uses all of that, um, one to shape us, but ultimately to to put us on the trajectory that he has destined for each and every one of us 
right? And so it's because of my, um, the trauma in my past. Mm. It's because of the anxieties that I felt. Like all of that has shaped and given me a heart for people who may struggle in the same way, right? Um, the Lord, and the Lord brings beauty from ashes. He'll make Come so on. much out of the hurts that we've gone through um, so as to, you know, bring his, his people to, to true healing. So good. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start to wrap up here. Um, I want to ask you my final question that I ask everybody. Yes. Um, if you could tell some majority white church leaders anything, uh, what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, the beauty, the beauty about Christ is that he allows us to experience now what will be fully realized realities mm. when Christ comes back for his church. Um, so love, right? Marriage. Um, and one of the things that we can look forward to is uh, all nations, all tongues mm-hmm. coming together, right? In worship of our King. That's not a reality that we have to wait for Christ to come back for his bride in order mm. to experience. Come on. And so the structures, the ideals, of white supremacy will be dismantled in the new heavens and new earth, Mm -hmm. but black and brown sisters and brothers, they will remain. They will be in the new heavens and the new earth. And so this is a call for all of my white brothers and sisters to fight for that, which will remain your black brothers and your black sisters. And you can do that from now. Mm. Yeah. And you know, heaven is not going to be where, everybody uh like all the cultures melt into one nope nope i will be distinctly a black woman in the new heavens and new earth you Mm -hmm. will be distinctly a black a a white man right in the new heavens and new earth and that won't matter because we're going to be before the king the king of king casting our crowns before him yes right in perfection and here's the thing in our perfect and 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 glorified bodies we're still going to be in in our huge skin right like we're going to have our complexions that is part of god's perfection he's not going to wipe that away mm-hmm. yes you yeah know? it's it's uh the the unity in the midst of diversity that That's uh, it. we uh unfortunately rarely see because a lot of times when we seek unity it's conformity. Yes. Not... Think as I think, do as I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can be no differences in in unity. But that's ultimately uh, where Christ would, would have. L- look at the people who he called to himself, mm-hmm. right? His oh, disciples, yeah. tax collector, like you, you name it. And he was able to bring them together for one common purpose, for the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. Yeah, fishermen, a zealot. Yeah, tax, tax collectors. Yep. Yeah. And he used it all. Oh, that's so good. And that's yeah. that's that's hard work, y'all. That it is sure very is. hard work that doesn't ever end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're sinful people on this side of heaven, so it's it's going to be hard work now in in uh heaven. It will you know, like you said, we will be before the king and yeah. sin and death will be no more, but for now, it takes a lot of hard work, and I, yeah. I, 
you know, I want to emphasize like it does not end. It yeah. might, you might go through a season where, you know, you're, a, your church is experiencing some diversity, you're doing some good things, mm-hmm. but then, but then somebody's, somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. Somebody's going to be offended. Yeah. Somebody, there's going to be some tension and you got to work through that. And then that's it'll it. seem like things are good. We got through that, but then it'll happen again. Yeah. Because that's just how it is. And on the, on this side of heaven. It anyway. is. It is. That's yeah, absolutely so good. right. Um, it's definitely worth um, your, our brothers and sisters are worth pushing through the discomfort, mm. <laughs> right? Right. Um, yes. That that image bearer of God is worth the likelihood or the the possibility that I might be misunderstood or, you know, that this might come off a little bit offensive or jarring, but you know, um, but yes. it's worth it. Oh yes. That's so you, good. Yeah, this you, is going to you happen. You're going to, you're going to put your foot in your mouth so many times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hurt each yes. other's feelings, but yeah, but being motivated by is. love. Exactly. That is what mm-hmm. family is. Mm-hmm. And so we get to, to experience these realities now. And, and so we have to, we have to do it right. Like, James talks about just being a hearer of the word and that not being it, Mm, right? mm -hmm. But the measure being how much we embody the word of God. How much do we embody the justice that Christ has brought forth um, and and is demonstrating here in this world? Like we want to be on the side of justice. We want to be on wherever Jesus is, that's where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's always going to be on the side of the oppressed, the widows, the, the orphan, the poor, mm-hmm. um, and in today's day, the black and the brown, mm. right? Come on. The ostracized. So, <laughs> so good. You're like, so you know, yeah. <laughs> Just going into a sermon there. So good. <laughs> Well, Shanika, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, just who you are and sharing it with mm-hmm. us. Um, yeah, if people want to connect with you somehow, uh, what's what's the best way to do that? Is it through um, the gathering? Is it through social media? Or what, what would be good for people to connect with? Yep. You? So on Instagram, I can be found at Nika Hart. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, or you can reach out to me through the gathering Harlem, um, dot com. Cool. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I'm like believing for somebody that want to <laughs> help fund this mental health center, or, you know, whatever's In happening. Name of Jesus, <laughs> we're, we're praying for whoever it is, even now. Like we don't know who might sow a seed into that ministry, but you know, may the Lord richly bless you and guide you, um, even from now. So. Come on, so good. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's it for this episode. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Thank you, Shanika, for for being on the mic. Thank you for having me, Nate.